Welcome to the Raw Conversations podcast. It is about being real, authentic, and worthwhile. And I am your host, Carrie Ann Alpton. I am excited to be here today. I am excited to make this announcement that I have changed the podcast name. As I said, there are many changes coming in my last in the last episode that I recorded. And finally, we are here today on the arrival day and starting to unpack to see what's in our suitcase. So with that being said, I want to jump in first and just talk about why this change. Why am I going from the In Her Power podcast to the Raw podcast? Since the beginning of the year, I have been getting downloads and pings from the universe and also just being asked in the present moment to include all genders in the work that I do. I'm not just for women. Um, And I really had to sit with that and marinate on that and see if that was really true for me. And what I found was that it, it is really true for me, that I need to include all that are willing to do this work, are willing to dive deep within their souls, within their beings, you know, within their own programming, conditioning, and look at themselves and reprogram and feel to heal and express things they, they've been holding back for sometimes 20, 30, 40, 50 years, maybe even more you know, find those or give themselves those unmet needs they have in, in order to up-level their lives. And that's really my my whole journey, both personally and professionally, is to up-level my life and to keep up-leveling. Um, and not in terms of accumulating more things and achieving more. That's That used to be of interest to me, but it wasn't fulfilling, to be honest. But up-leveling in the way of it's just my own expansion and evolution and just up in my own consciousness. And I'm just finding that more and more people of all genders of all walks of life want to do this work. And so I want to invite them in and not close the door on them. So this is one of the main reasons why I'm making a huge change and shifting my work to include all humans who want to thrive who want to do this work, who want to dive deep within them, within themselves and face themselves and learn to love themselves and come back to realize that they are divine and worthy, whole beings. That brings me to my second point is that when I think about the work that I do, it's about coming back to your whole self. So we have all aspects of ourselves and so many aspects we put in our shadow side and we hide. But let's be honest. I mean, if we want to come back to our whole self, we have to accept that part of us. And in order to be divine and worthy, we have to realize we are whole. So I think that includes us as humans, all genders, however you identify with your with that, is a part of the whole. And so it was important to me to include the whole when it came to this work. And again, to those that want to do this work, and there's no shame or blame or judgment if you don't want to do this work, you don't want to do this work. Hey, that's okay with me. But for those that want to do this work, welcome. Welcome to these raw conversations and welcome to my Up Level Your Life community. So that's going to be the first change I'm announcing. The second change that I'm announcing is I'm starting a whole new community. I've had my In Her Power community for a while. It was Passionately Live Your Life You Love. And now it's going to be called, and actually moved, it's going to be called 
up-level your life because that's the work we're doing is we're up-leveling our life. We're evolving. We're expanding into our most authentic selves. We're letting go and shedding parts of ourselves that we have been hidden or we or that we have hidden or, or chose to hide away. I guess they're two in the same there, but you get what I'm saying. That we have just stored away, we have been shamed or whatnot, and coming back to our whole self. And each time it's another level, another layer, another part to getting to the whole self. And so it's now called the Up Level Your Life Community, and it is open to um, anyone who is interested in learning more about this and wanting to and really engage in the work, wanting to have a space of like-minded people who will love you um, just as you are, just where you're at, without judgment, um, starting with me. So you have at least one friend in there already that will love you and accept you just as you are. Even if you trigger me, it's okay if you trigger me because that's an opportunity for me to grow and expand. That's an opportunity for me to look at what within me is being triggered. I will still love you and still find you whole and complete. That also being said, I'm moving away from Facebook. I'm kind of done with Facebook and I'm moving over to Mighty Networks. Why I love Mighty Networks is it creates, it can create that kind of safe space group environment within a, within the, the platform and you don't get bogged down with advertisement with with just other busy stuff that other social media like Facebook platforms have and you can just focus on the community and the work within the community it just it takes out all the extra like pokes and triggers that we don't necessarily need or, or we get dist or distractions and gets us just to focus just focus you know and I, I you know that phrase energy flows where focus goes so I want to help people focus and to clear away the clutter and not even to allow the clutter in right now so moving over to mighty networks and again you can find the link in the, the bio you're welcome to join us in this new community of course um, we would love to have you so I'll be moving over there and I'm really really excited to move my community over there and grow it and expand it and just share this work and engage with you guys and you guys engage with each other. We are all a wealth of knowledge and we often don't even realize it. And that's going to be part of my journey as your guide, as your facilitator to help you find that wealth of knowledge within you, that beautiful gift and reconnect you with your true self, that kind of real, authentic, worthy self. That's why I call these raw conversations. Now, I want to get into today's episode. I saved this episode for a while because it kind of was a beautiful bridge into me launching this um, new community, kind of new identity in essence. And uh, I wanted to save this particular interview because in this interview we talk with Claire Marinon, I think if I pronounced her name, the last name right. I, I know her as Claire. I've known her since, I think, September. She's this beautiful soul. But what I love is that she's been in this transition and shift in her life. And you'll hear that in this episode. And I thought, what a perfect kind of episode as I, as I shift as well, as I evolve into the next version of myself, as this community evolves into the next version of itself, as it um, evolves and expands and into something, you know, in a higher vibrational frequency. And for each of us, that's going to look different. So I wanted to share, or save, sorry, I was saving this episode 
for this moment. For this moment. So let's jump into this episode. I want to first introduce Claire. Claire Marinon is the founder of the Hadash Collective and the host of the Hadash Collective podcast, which by the way, I have been on her podcast. And if you haven't heard my interview, I'll put that in the show notes as well. The Hadash Collective podcast is a community sharing human stories and practices that guide you to uncovering the truth of who you are created to be. Consciously evolve your life and extend divine light in the world. Claire is also a trustee and director of communications for Seems for Dreams Charitable Trust, a nonprofit organization that advocates for responsible fashion practices and extends the life cycles of existing items of clothing by clothing under-resourced communities throughout India. I mean, just from that introduction, can you tell why I connected with this beautiful soul and why we have stayed connected? I mean, we are so in line, so in resonance. So I'm excited for you to hear her story and her journey of where she was and where she is going now, what she is stepping into. So enjoy my conversation with Claire. Hey Claire, I'm excited to have you today and for my audience to learn more about your wonderful journey. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm so looking forward to having this conversation with you. Hmm. So I want to start with like just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Claire Marinan. I am currently living in Thailand um, for this last year, this last COVID year. I usually live in Mumbai in India and um, I'm a makeup artist. I've been in the fashion, celebrity, editorial, makeup industry as a makeup artist for a really long time, too many years. I don't want to tell you because it'll date me, but um, yeah, for a very long time. And I've always had an interest in the sort of alternative health space. Um, one of the draw cards for me of moving to India was being in the home of Ayurveda and yoga. And so that played into one of my greatest interests. So I was very, very excited about that. And um, so I recently started last year, actually, I launched um, the Hadassa Collective, which is a podcast and a community which is all centered around um, alternative health and healing, spirituality and psychology. So um, that's what I do. And I also am a trustee of a charity, a beautiful charity called Seems for Dreams. And um, we advocate for responsible fashion practices and clothe under-resourced communities all throughout India. So that's a little bit about me. Mm, thank you. I want to jump into the Hadash collection and your charity, but I wanted to go back a little bit. How did you end up in India? Like, what was the journey that got you there? Because I think it will be fascinating for people. Uh, you know, there's more and more of us that are like leaving our birth country and going another place, not because we think our birth country is something wrong with it. I think because we're, we've got something about this adventurous bravery, curiosity, explorer kind of thing. But I want to hear your kind of a journey to how you got to India. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I am pure Sagittarius. So, I mean, I'm triple fire sign anyway. My moon is 
um, in Aries and my ascending is in Leo. So um, I'm full fire and I really do embody the characteristics of Sagittarius. So I'm definitely adventurous. I'm always ready to travel. Um, so this last year has been a little bit challenging in that respect for me because I don't, um, I don't generally like sitting still, staying in the same country for more than a couple of months at a time. I always am traveling and then I come back um, to wherever I'm based at the time. And I think that has a lot to do with my upbringing. My parents are also very, very similar in this respect. Um, my father is a hotelier. So for my whole life, we have we have traveled and lived in different places around the world due to his job. And um, my mom is also very adventurous and loves to travel, loves to live in different places around the world and explore different cultures. And so how I came to India really was um, by chance, I would say, but I don't really believe in luck or chance. Um, I definitely think it was very synchronistic, very kismet how I ended up in India. So I was a makeup artist in Australia, which is where I'm actually from, where my mom was born. And um, I was was ready to um, like explore different placements overseas and things like that. So my, we, had, we had a house here in Thailand. And so my agency sent me to Bangkok and I worked as a makeup artist in Bangkok for two years. And um, I just worked with a lot of Indian clients. And um, I, one of my clients at the time just said to me, like, will you come to India? We really need makeup artists. And I thought it was a really interesting idea, but I, I had such a naive perspective of India, a very, very limited perspective of India, which we can talk about later, actually, the kind of programming and assumptions that we have about places. Um, because I really had a picture of India of this sort of yogic lifestyle or slumdog millionaire. And I didn't, mm. that's obviously, it's really naive, very naive. It's a really incomplete picture of what India is. And so I kind of, I didn't know, you know, whether I should go, whether I shouldn't. And I was in the middle of a breakup of a long-term relationship and at the time. And so, um, you know, I was umming and ahhing of whether I should go, whether I shouldn't. And so um, my family were really encouraging of me actually to go spend three months in India. What a fun opportunity. It would be amazing. And um, so, yeah, so I went and then um, not knowing what to expect at all. And um, I actually ended up staying for six years. So, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... Yeah. At the beginning, I think my family were like, oh, what an amazing opportunity. And then after a year, they're like, okay, so we, you live here now? Or like, mm -hmm. what is going on? Mm -hmm. but, um, it's a really amazing place. And um, someone had actually told me before I, someone told me in Bangkok, before I left for India, in a very positive way, be careful going to India because India changes you. And so I was like, okay. And she didn't mean that in a negative way. She didn't mean that, you know, she just was like, basically be prepared to change, like for change in your life. And when I look back on it, I realized I was really ready to like step into a new evolution, a new version of self. And um, I think in some very beautiful ways and some very challenging ways, um, India, Mumbai, 
my friends that I met there, the people that I connected, like amazing soul connections there that I made there, um, gave me the space and also the courage and also the expansion to be able to step into that new evolution of self that I didn't even know was coming, you know? So, um, yes, the long version of how I ended up. No, that's great. There's some nuggets there I want to pull out. And so the first one you talked that came to mind, I'm just kind of curious because you did travel a lot with your family and you started, Mm -hmm. that became kind of your model of reality. What was it like when you were in a place for a long time that almost like even going back to Australia and being there in the kind of your home culture, did you get antsy or bored and feel like, you know, why, why are we not traveling or like this kind of like for me, I grew up in the mountains and now living here in Rio for five years, though I love it here. There's still a part of me that like, I want the mountains because that, that was a big part of who I was and still am. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So it, it's interesting because I would say that if if I thought about it consciously, I would say that I, as a as a young person, always moving around or being forced to move around. I obviously didn't choose when I was a kid to be moving and changing schools and all of these different things. It wasn't my choice. It was out of my control. I pro I resisted that at the time. And um, because it it is challenging, it is destabilizing for a child to always be moving and to be, um, you know, to be making new friends, going to different schools and things like that. So I always saw that as a, as a challenge and something that I maybe even resented my parents for. But then when I was older, I realized like what an incredible gift it, it was like to be able to. And it, look, it comes with a gift and a wound, I always feel comes together. And so there, there's definitely aspects of that that I've explored, you know, around that in my sort of healing journey, I guess, or coming home to self journey, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but in relation to travel, I can see it I, as an old, as someone who was, you know, an adult, I see it as such a great gift because I overcame that fear and that realization of like, I can create my world or my world will create around me wherever I go and wherever I want to go. So for example, I had no fear around getting on a plane, going to India, knowing no one, and just knowing that the people that are meant to be in my life and gravitate towards me mm-hmm. will come. I'll make new friends. I'll build new business relationships. I will, you know, I know I've done that so many times before that it, it's not a fear that I have. But definitely in Australia, um, I grew up in England, actually, from five to 18. I went to school in England. And so moving back to Australia at 18 was moving back to my mother's um, home. And we lived a few places in there and there. And after I left university, I actually was a flight attendant for, for a long time. Wow. And um, yeah, before I was before I was ever a makeup artist, I was a flight attendant. So I was always traveling then which is really which is really interesting and at that time when I left flying I really wanted to be on the ground and have a quote-unquote normal life um, and more time stability I think I wanted to be able to be there for 
my nephew's birthdays or my, you know, family barbecues or, you know, weddings and things like that. And um, what, what was interesting, after a year or so, I just really craved being in, in Asia. Like, I really wanted to be in Asia. I really wanted to explore some other places. And I really like going, look, I love, obviously love traveling, going on holiday, but I really love going to a place and staying for like a minimum of a month and really getting to know what it's like to like live mm. in that kind of place. So, yeah, so I definitely felt that pull towards Asia as well. And um, yeah, so I definitely, I, I guess I, I do have that like antsiness if I stay somewhere for too long. And mm. um, this year I've definitely noticed it. I've definitely felt restricted and um, that I can't just get on a plane and go and see my friends or go on holiday um, whenever I feel like it. That's definitely felt like a restriction this year. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. So another nugget I pulled out was um, something you said that I think is really important that oftentimes there's assumptions made about a culture mm -hmm. based on whatever we're seeing in the media, movies, and just like key big things from that culture. But once we dive into the culture, it's so much deeper. I know I'm experiencing that here in Brazil. I know it was interesting when I lived in Australia in the mid 90s, what people perceived of me as an American. And I was like, that's what you think of my country. It was really fascinating. But I want to go deeper that this often happens on an individual level. Mm -hmm. You know, where we where we judge people based on what we see of them. For example, I'm six foot tall, 183, 182, 183 centimeters. Um, uh, people automatically go, oh, you play basketball, you play volleyball. I'm like, actually, no, you know, and that's just a little assumption, not a big one. But knowing that I'm American, they already make assumptions about me. So as you've been moving and traveling around the world, were there a lot of assumptions made about you? Mm -hmm. You know, and how did you move and navigate through those? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Because I, I mean, I moved, I was born in the States. I was born in LA. And so the first time I moved was when I was a year old or under a year old. And we moved to the East Coast of the States to Annapolis. And then um, when we, and then when I was two, we moved to Germany, and I went to kindergarten there. And then it wasn't until I was five that we moved to England, and we moved several different places within England. And then when I was eighteen, we moved to Australia. And so, yes, there there definitely were assumptions made. I don't know if they were. Um, I don't know if they were directly expressed to me but there was always this underlying feeling of um not fitting in or maybe not belonging because I was always the minority like even in America I mean I was so young in America that I don't really remember but I wasn't really American because my parents were not American right so and then when I was in Germany obviously I wasn't German and I learned to speak fluent German when I was like two, when I was learning to speak properly, learning to speak English, I was also learning to speak German at the same time. So I spoke fluent German. And, but there was still, I wasn't German, right? So, um, I mean, where we lived was really an American um, R&R base. 
in the 80s. Um, so there was a lot of American influence there for sure. But and then when I moved to England, I was also not like even though I spoke English, I was not really English either, right? So mm. I have always been that minority. But I think what that has given me as an as an adult, especially in the time that we live in right now, with different things like um, different issues, racial issues, gender issues, things like this, I think it's given me a different perspective and a wider perspective on that because mm -hmm. I've always been, even though I'm, you know, a white female, I know what it is to be the minority, right? Or to, to live in a space that, you know, is not um, where not everybody looks like me and not everybody speaks like me and not everybody thinks like me. So I think as an adult that that's given me just a different perspective and um, an ability to sort of see, because as a, a very young child, you, you automatically see people who they are. You, you don't really, I think it's an adult thing to decide labels for people and to try and categorize people based on labels. So I think, um, you know, as a child, I always just, connected with people maybe on a soul level as just another human being rather because mm -hmm. that's, that's all I knew mm -hmm. I didn't um, I didn't have the ability to identify with the labels because there weren't very many shared labels if that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah totally yeah I mean I what I got was that you had an expanded view of the world because of all these experiences that you had as you and I yeah. both know most of our perception of the world and our behaviors and our beliefs start in those first seven years of life yeah. and so yours was so dynamic where other people had a very small viewpoint to start with and yours was like really opening super wide very quickly and so you yeah. were forming different perceptions than many other children your age yeah absolutely and, and like I said there's there's good and bad to mm -hmm. both, or I don't even want to say good and bad because I don't really see, like to label things as good and bad. They're just, you know, different. either, yeah, different experiences and some, some are uncomfortable. And there were uncomfortable experiences with that. Um, there is those, those years as well are the times when people are developing their sense of security and their sense of stability. And I don't think that I really had that. And the flip side of that as well, which I think everybody experiences probably maybe more so when they go to high school rather than, you know, much younger. But I really developed this kind of ability to be the chameleon. I very much knew because I'd moved so much. I very much knew what it took for me to be accepted, to be popular, to be who people wanted me to be. and later on in life that that's been an un, unlearning process of that of picking apart like what was actually me and what was I adapting to 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 make sure that I was liked accepted loved you know belong you know made sure I belong so um there's a there's always like I said the wound and the gift and so it's always the balance between the two but I'm I'm grateful for that expanded view of life because I did get to see so many different kinds of people. And as I said, it's gifted me the ability to 
to be able to move to land in India, really not knowing very much about the culture outside of a yoga studio, which is so embarrassing to say, but um, that's true. And, um, and also a Western perception of what yoga is, right? So, or outside of a movie that I've seen, a few movies that I've seen about India, and um, be able to see beyond that, like be able to just accept people for, for being people, for being humans and seeing, exploring those kind of soul connections rather than um, having to filter people through the labels of like, are these my people? Do I fit in with them? Do they like me? Do I like them? Like it's not, I don't, um, I don't have that, which I, I'm grateful for because I think that that leaves me open to more experiences than mm. um, and people that are more closed off or mm -hmm. more guarded. Beautiful. I, I, I imagine that there's a, as someone that had life experiences that you had at such a young age and moving around so much, that it would be natural to take on that kind of chameleon behavior, mm -hmm. right? Because you want to fit in and survive within each culture. And then, you know, eventually as you become an adult and you awaken, you start to become aware of those things. And so that's what I kind of want to segue into is kind of your kind of awakening moment. And I don't know if it's connected to the last nugget that I saw or picked up, which um, when you were talking about why India, you talked about India changes you. Mm. So I don't know if the two are connected, but I would love to start talking about moving into your kind of awakening moment, what that looked like for you and the kind of yeah. the journey from there. Well, I mean, there are there are a couple. Of, I wouldn't say it was just one moment, but um, yeah, I mean, so to to tie into your your first um, part of that question, um, the chameleon side of things definitely was something that I've deconstructed, um, a process of deconstruction. Because I became acutely aware, not consciously, but I knew going to a new school, going to something else, you know, new friend groups, whatever it was, I knew exactly that I needed to be pretty, I needed to be thin, I needed to dress the right way, I needed to be funny, I needed to be entertaining, outgoing, you know, all of those sorts of things, very superficial, external things. And so I kind of realized that I, I built that around myself as as my persona, and um, I don't know if there was there was a moment that I realized that, or if it was just a gradual kind of peeling away that revelation, um, you know. And that that was definitely a part of the process. But I think in terms of awakening, it was a very gradual thing. I mean, I've always grown up in a spiritual household, like um, my family, I've grown up in the church and um, a very open kind of spiritual household in terms of Christian households, not um, super strict or super overly religious, but very spiritual and very connected and about the relationship to the divine in those that term, that kind of Christianity. And so... I've always been open and interested in those kind of in otherworldly things um, from a very, very young age. So I've always had that aspect of myself um, for sure. And that's always been encouraged in my household as well. It's not seen as anything crazy or weird. Um, 
you know, my parents love it if I want to go to church, you know, they're, they really encourage those kind of things and um, encourage spiritual um, discovery. And um, even though I'm not really like your traditional Christian, um, you know, I do Kundalini yoga and I meditate and I explore all of these different aspects of um, spirituality as well as my Christian foundations. Um, I've been very fortunate and blessed that my parents are, are very, they kind of just let me go and explore what I need to explore. And, you know, I'm very interested in psychology and neuroscience and the, this kind of quantum physics as well, these kind of areas as well. And my parents are very open. Um, my whole family is very open to just um, being able to explore those sorts of things. And I think um, there was a moment of realization around the time that I was going to India. I was going through a massive breakup, which by the way is generally when I have these like big moments of <laughs> um, self-discovery, um, when I'm going through a, a romantic relationship breaking down. Um, and, so, and this was also during my Saturn return. And I think I rewatched um, Elizabeth Gilbert's, I mean, it's the movie of her book, Eat, Pray, Love. And there was this moment where she was on the floor in her bathroom crying and saying, you know, this life, everything around me in this life, I created, I asked for. It wasn't anybody that forced it on me. It wasn't anything external. No one forced me into this. I chose all of this. Even the tiles on this floor, I chose and yet I'm so deeply unhappy. And I remember that scene resonating with me so deeply because I was exactly the same. I was like everything I've chosen, my partner, my house, my everything I've chosen. And yet there's this like deep emptiness and deep unhappiness um, in this kind of chasing game. And so I kind of realized in that space that you know what, I'm, I'm a capable, person I'm you know I can make things happen for myself but the things that I'm choosing and I'm chasing where are they coming from because they're not making me happy they're not making me fulfilled so where do I go from here so the first one to go was the relationship and um and um yeah as I said it was in my satin return so it was very much that time of change that time of those those lessons that really like come back to you to be like, you're moving into this next phase of life and I need you to figure out who you are. And so it's like this time the universe is really shaping you and sometimes in a really brutal way. Um, but what I can say, especially about moving to India, when I stepped out of that relationship, when I stepped into the space of unknown, I mean, I had it pretty good in, in Thailand you know, work-wise, it was amazing. And um, I was really stepping into a space of the unknown. I didn't know I was going to have to start everything from scratch. I knew no one, no one. I think I had two friends that I knew from a shoot in India um, at that time. I didn't have any work contacts or anything like that. But when I stepped into that space, out of that relationship, out of my comfort zone, my cozy space in Thailand, um, and into the unknown of India, there were kismet opportunities that came to me that I could never have created for myself. 
I could never have arranged these meetings of different people, different photographers, different situations. Money couldn't buy it. I couldn't have arranged it or forced it myself. And so I kind of saw this correlation by me stepping out of my comfort zone, this um, magnetism, this, this magic draw towards me that I, could, I knew that I could never have created for myself. And it was like God was supporting me in me stepping out into my own growth. So, um, yeah, so that was that experience. I don't know if that answered your question. But. No, it, it was great. I loved it. Um, I'm just realizing that for each of us, it doesn't have to be a big awakening moment. It could be, like you said, very gradual, which is a beautiful thing as well. Um, and what I loved is, and what I'm hearing, and tell me if I'm off, is when you just surrendered, right, to the experience without trying to control it. Because when we're in the comfort zone, that's comfortable, that certainty. When we're outside of our comfort zone, we're entering into uncertainty and surrendering to the flow. It sounds like when you stepped outside your comfort zone and surrendered to the flow, things just showed up that you needed. Absolutely. That you, like you Absolutely. said, you wouldn't otherwise been able to do or connect with that person or maybe you maybe not but it felt like well the the impossible became possible yeah totally i mean and that that is probably one of like my greatest lessons and i keep getting taught the hard way but it really is like my greatest lesson because i guess for my my personality, and I, I would say since we've been talking about, you know, how I grew up and we traveled all the time and there was that sense of instability, my kind of personality is to sort of attempt to create my own stability, create my own structure, to make things happen, to control things. And really my greatest lesson is that as soon as, you know, if I tend to control things, schedule things, structure things, decide on things too much, I don't leave space for any magic to happen. And it's those moments when I just kind of like, go fuck it. Like, mm -hmm. let's just, you know, let's just go with it and not have any plan. I mean, I'm not saying the plans are bad. I'm not saying the goals are bad. Absolutely not. But when I do leave space for magic to happen, like God has always come and met me in that space with in ways that I couldn't imagine, ways mm -hmm. that I couldn't make happen. And so that's, I'm always continuously using, you know, learning that lesson because my, my natural tendency is like, okay, this is the way things are going to go. This is how, what's going to happen. And this is how it's going to work out. Whereas that always I always have to shift back into that space of surrender and one of my favorite scriptures is in Psalms and it's basically like every morning I wake up and I put my life on the altar and I wait for your fire to fall and that really is like the scripture for my life because as soon as I come back into that space where I'm like okay I have all these amazing plans I have all these amazing way to do things what have you, I have these great ideas. Yes, no one's denying that. But as soon as I put them on the altar and I surrender them and I wait for the fire to fall and whatever is left is there for me to pick up and to move on with, that's always when 
life just flows for me in a much mm-hmm. in a much more you know easeful um magical way so that's I want to unpack that a little bit because I think some people myself included I I understand I think what you're saying is that but some people get stuck on I surrender but then nothing happens you know it's like I surrender which means I don't need to do anything I don't take any action no but I still think that there's a, a part of us that, like, we still need to take action, but we don't need to hold on to that action being connected to the outcome. Absolutely. That's that's actually the key. That's actually the space, or in my opinion, that's the space of surrender for me, is that, like, it's not about not having plans. It's not about not having action, because it's actually, like, if you really are in a space of surrender and you really... Um, we can talk about some practices later on to get into that space where you are, you know, really aligned and what the plans that are coming through you that are being birthed through you are really like God moving through you and showing you what um, wants to be birthed in your life through you, you know, what wants to be established through you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's again not being yeah like you said it's not being attached to the outcome of that or how that comes about mm-hmm. you know it, that's the space of surrender it's not about not doing anything but it's about aligned action mm-hmm. and uh, you know yeah not forced action mm-hmm. and it's, it's about that control piece yeah. and not everybody has that i think i think a lot of people do because it's very much part of our um uh, programming in our society around this masculine way, very masculine way, energetically masculine way of being and doing and succeeding and achieving, mm-hmm. um, rather than um, this reciprocity, this more feminine receiving and flowing um, way. Of mm-hmm. I'm really trying, to, working on tuning into myself. Yeah, same here. You know, it's interesting. I have no Virgo in my chart. I'm a double Pisces, sun and moon, ascending Aquarius. But I'm so Virgo because I was raised in a Virgo household. And, I, you know, that's how I have succeeded. And it's learning to appreciate that about myself but not letting it be myself. It doesn't – like it feels in some ways it could feel like like it feels comfortable and normal for me because that's where I was raised. But it's also in some ways – not allowing the true essence of me, the true power of me to come through. Yeah. That's so interesting, isn't it? Um, because it, it again speaks to what we were talking about, you know, and what we witnessed in our childhood. Mm-hmm. And what we witnessed was the way to succeed was this very Virgo, um, these very Virgo attributes, right? Virgo so, and masculine, which is, Virgo and masculine. Yeah, which is interesting. I have a grandmother who was a successful entrepreneur. You know, I have a mother who is a successful entrepreneur. I had a sister who was a successful entrepreneur. You know, I had all these females compared to the males in my family. But I I look, when I evaluate them, they were all in that kind of masculine, you know, way of being in order to succeed because it's been a very masculine and energetic world. But yeah. as we step into the age of Aquarius, it's I feel this pull myself to like being a successful entrepreneur in both my feminine and my masculine, not being just in one. So that means embracing the feminine side of me. 
more. Yeah. And allowing, the, I, I love that you touched upon that actually, because so often, you know, I hear in different podcasts or Instagram or whatever um, I'm listening to when it's talking about tuning into the divine feminine. It's almost like a rejection of the masculine, whereas that's actually really not the space that we're in at all. It's about like, yes, we probably need to focus more on embodying the divine feminine because we have lived in such a Piscean age masculine structure that that's really been um, elevated in our in our existence and our reality. But um, just because now we're moving into the Aquarian age where the feminine, divine feminine is really being much more embraced and much more embodied, but we still need that structure, that container of the divine masculine to really allow the divine feminine to flourish as well. So um, it's not about the rejection of masculine, um, of the masculine energy within, but it's about, I think, just picking the parts that support you and, um, you know, being really aware of yourself and seeing this burns me out, this drains my energy. So I'm going to drop that, you know, and mm -hmm. um, but then there's other things that are really supportive. Um, and sometimes you have to go too far to one extreme to really be able to, like, then come back and find your center with it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have also a Capricorn South Node. And so my like life journey to my cancer north node is really about like feeling and leaning into those cancer energies. Um, but with that Capricorn south node that comes with that structure that, you know, and um, I really had to drop that structure almost entirely to then be able to rebuild a structure that worked for me and that had some space and some flow. So, um, you know, I think that it's finding that balance between um, between both. And I think it's so nuanced with each person that it is actually a very personal journey. So rather than, you know, saying, oh, well, that works for Carrie Ann, so I'm going to adopt that. It's like, no, that's, that's not the age we're in anymore. It's not a follow my leader mentality. Mm -hmm. It's like looking for someone to follow. It's more about like, okay, that really worked for Carrie Ann. That was great. But like, how do I feel about it? How does that make me feel? Does this resonate with me? Exactly. And, um, you know, that's the space that we're in. Coming back to what's your authentic self, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. and knowing that I, I always say each snowflake is a different design. There's no two snowflakes alike. And as humans, we're each a different snowflake and yet we're made of the same material, right? Mm -hmm. And so honoring that you're just as beautiful as the other, even though you're different than the other. You're unique, which is a beautiful thing. So I want to transition into, because I, I know you're going through a transition from an old career into something new. Mm -hmm. So talking a little bit about that, because I think that's really interesting. I think a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there who, are feeling something like they're either not satisfied or they're just not feeling the passion or they're, they have more passion for something else, but that journey and they might not know what it is yet, but that journey there can be one that's both exciting and really scary. Mm. But I'd love to hear more about, you know, what your, what this transition looks like for you. Like what, 
from going from being a makeup artist into whatever is unfolding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also not really, not entirely having a complete vision of what is unfolding, you know, is really, is really something interesting. And I think it's also very Aquarian age, actually. Um, you know, that's, um, that's the space that we're going into. And so this year has been a, a real year of transition for me. And it's been beautiful and it's been scary and it's been frustrating and it's been amazing and it's been peaceful and it's, you know, it's been all of those things, you know, sometimes even in the same day. But um, I think what I can be most grateful for of 2020 is really the space, is the space that it gave everyone really, most people, a lot of people, the opportunity to kind of slow down and have space to reassess. And I mean, we had a choice what we wanted to do with that space. We could fill it with Netflix or we could, you know, meditate all day long. Neither of which I think are really particularly balanced, you know. Mm -hmm. But we also had an opportunity. I had an opportunity to spend time with my mother. I've not, I've not spent as much time with my mom, um, you know, in in many many years. You know, so um, we've not lived in the same country for so many years, and so that that's been a real blessing out of this year. But transitioning out of something I think what was really interesting for me because I'd started Hadassah Collective pre-COVID and it was something that I just wanted to do because I had an interest in it and also when I moved to India again I think I touched on this at the beginning of the podcast that one of the big draw cards for me or the biggest exciting things for me of moving to India was like I'm going to be in the birthplace of Ayurveda and yoga and I'm going to be so entrenched in this you know vibe and you know it's going to be so amazing and then I land in Mumbai and it's like madness and no one does yoga and um you know I really had to, yeah it was a shock and I really had to seek things out for myself and um it was a lot of trial and error um different yoga teachers, different practitioners, different, you know, styles of yoga, lots of different things. And it was really a process of trial and trial and error all around the country. I kind of made it my mission to go on these different yoga retreats or to visit these ashrams and things like that. And um, so I really wanted to share that with other people. And um, so that was the basis of starting Hadassah Collective. And also, I really think that it's such a lost art in our society that we don't share stories, our stories, you know. Um, we, we, as a, again, as I said earlier, in regards to looking for people to follow, I really think that we're out, that, that age is gone, the age of the guru is gone, the age of the time to sort of sit at the feet of a pastor, a preacher, um, a guru or you know is 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 done actually not that i i think that the, these these things don't exist and these things don't res these positions or these callings don't reserve re you know um require um respect and reverence they absolutely do but i think that where we place these people in our lives is um it has shifted in this new age that we're moving into 
and it's no longer looking for divinities um, in another human being and then be disappointed when they show us their humanity. You know, it's really about honoring our own space, our own divinity and our own humanity, being fully human and fully divine and embodying both. And that's the space that we're in right now. And um, so, yeah. And so that's how I sort of started Hadassah Collective because I wanted to bring these people that other people look up to. They have amazing things to share as experts like yourself um, in their field, but also to show the human story behind those experts and to really learn from each other um, what we've all been through in life what we have to bring to the table and it's a real sharing rather than a one-way street of you know um sending one person up the mountain to go and meet with god and come back and tell me what i need to do it's that's not the dynamic anymore it's it's really sharing and learning from each other's experiences and from our own establishing our own connection to the divine and so i really wanted to to bring that out in hadassah collective and um, then when COVID happened and I found myself in Thailand, um, what I noticed was the narrative around health. And um, the narrative was really wash your hands, wear a mask, socially distance. And that was fine because we were, you know, we were, that was the general health consensus, the narrative around this virus that was, was plaguing everyone, especially at the beginning of last year. Um, around this time last year, actually. And um, that was fine because I understood that that was a space to, you know, we're wanting to, you know, limit the spread of the virus. But what I really felt was missing was how do we boost our immune system to better prepare ourselves if we were to get something? How do we eat better? How do we breathe better? How do we move our bodies and to, to support us in a way that we can maybe resist things that are coming towards us and I just really felt that that was missing in the public space so I also wanted to in my very small way um, open up a space in whatever way that I could to have a different perspective on health and to have a different narrative around health and it wasn't all just about sanitize your hands wear a mask socially distance it was also the aspect of like how can we use nature to support us what can we eat what can we how can we shift our diet how can we shift the way that we move the way we breathe the way we think to um better prepare ourselves for for things that may challenge us health-wise so i wanted to open up that space to have an alternative narrative to that as well so that's um yeah, that's how I sort of moved into that. And um, so it's interesting how something that initially was just a spark of interest, something that I loved, I love talking about, um, has really become the focus of this year and has really taken on a life of its own. So um, at, at the beginning of the year, it was really about showcasing different spaces, different people in India um, that we're doing really interesting things because I love what's popping up in India right now is that these it's the home of these ancient practices and you have these incredible gurus ashrams and um, facilities different res I, I guess they're called resort I don't know if they're called resorts or wellness centers they're really specialized in the true authentic 
practices of these ancient modalities. And then you also have this beautiful shift where there's younger people who are taking this ancient wisdom and are also combining it with newer sciences, different um, modalities in terms of psychiatry, um, or psychology, sorry, and blending these kind of practices together. So I really wanted to highlight that as well. Mm-hmm. And um, now, since I've been overseas, it's also been highlighting other people in this space all around the world that are just doing something new and interesting and have a story to tell and have something to share and impart to my listeners. And so that's been really exciting and really beautiful and a complete shift. And um, how I think that I'm navigating that is realizing that I've been involved in in the same way that I've been shifting and growing probably for the last decade or more in myself from as I said to you before recognizing my focus was so on building the external that then I wanted to strip away those things and really see who I was internally what I'm seeing is that manifest in my career as well like I've obviously been in a career that is very focused on superficial or the you know external beauty and now I'm really channeling what I've learned personally through my own journey and what I've picked up from other people um, is this internal beauty and how to really build that out and radiate radiate that light out into the world and that true internal beauty as well as external beauty so that's the kind of parallels and the crossovers of how that's been growing throughout this year for me. Beautiful. What's so fascinating from just talking to you about kind of your life's journey, and you said this before, is that you didn't have, you haven't had like a, a big awakening moment outside of some relationships, but you've just had these like kismet experiences when you just let things flow. So it wasn't like something happened, you recognize I'm really unhappy with what I'm doing now. You're just like, oh, this is where I'm at. This is what's coming at me. This is like the flow of the river. I'm just going to go with it. And as you said, you don't necessarily know what's ahead. Like you don't have a plan to say, I'm going to grow this big business into X, Y, and Z. You're just naturally letting it unfold. And and in such a like beautiful, it's. I just feel like just what I'm seeing is like this tapestry, you know, of white and gold, just kind of moving, right, and just going. Um, and you're just following it and then things are just happening, you know, just showing up where experiences or people or opportunities, which again goes back into stepping into that more feminine energy and just letting things, you know, being open to receive and just flowing versus this masculine of have a plan, have an action. This is the goal. Go there, do that. And if you don't do it this way, don't follow the steps, then you may not get there and you got to work hard, work hard, work hard. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think this year has been a real conscious decision to do that. Like every time I slip into finding myself, go, Oh my God, what is my plan? What am I doing? I'm like, no, just drop it. And I think this year has allowed for that. Like, I don't know if any other year I would have really allowed myself to do that. But because I've learned those previous life lessons of 
when I just create space, when I surrender, and it's not a, it's not a passive surrender. I'm always doing things. I'm busy. I'm working hard. It's not that I'm I'm not doing things, but it's just that I'm I'm letting what lights me up lead me to where I need to channel my energy, um, and that's been a real conscious. It, it's it's actually not easy for me always. It's not like it sounds so like oh yeah, just go with the flow, and it's so easy, and it's like because it makes so much sense, but in that moment you know, there's always that voice in your head that's like, what are you doing? You're just floating around. Like, you're not really, what are you doing with your life? You know, you need to make something happen. You need to, you need to have a plan. Where are you going to be in five years? What are you doing? Where, you know? And so it, this year, I've really kind of given myself permission. And it's not even given myself permission. I'm almost like forcing myself to just drop it and go, okay, every time I move into that space of like, okay, where are we going with this? What am I doing with Hadassah? Let's have a strategy. Let's do this. I'm like, no, just let the bre- follow the breadcrumbs of mm-hmm. like what lights you up, follow the breadcrumbs yep. of what excites you. And um, mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. And I think there's a lot of people can will be inspired to hear that and also can benefit from it. Have you through this process? I imagine you've had to let go of things. Yeah. And like, if you could share a little bit about that, the challenges of that, because it's not easy, and how you have navigated through just like letting go, which is in essence a part of surrender. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, um, I think what, the biggest thing I think I've had to let go of or process through letting go is really what society, what I've, what societal programming I've picked up of the way things should be, you know, of how I should be, what I should be doing, what um, happiness looks like, you know, it's, it's those sorts of things. And I've realized that um, a lot of shadow, there's a lot of shadow around that kind of thing um, for me. And so that's been one of my biggest processes. It's one of, um, it's a practice that I really, really love um, is shadow. So I have to, a couple of things like Debbie Ford wrote an amazing book called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. Love it. And um, mm-hmm. phenomenal book and amazing practices. It actually took me it was only the second time that I read, I kept getting drawn back to it. And at first I was like, I just don't get this. Like, why do I want to be the things that I don't like about myself? Like, I want to be less of that. Like what, I just don't get it, you know? And it took me the second time that it was like, oh, hang on a second. I need, you know, this, the second time that it really clicked, that it's like these things are part of me. And by me neglecting, neglecting them or rejecting them or suppressing them it's suppressing a part of myself and there and it's also suppressing those positive parts of my of of those aspects right Mm -hmm. and um so much so i so much respect this process that actually i named hadassah is named really after this like the story of hadassah or detailed in the book of esther in the bible is really to me that entire narrative is all about her embracing 
Mm-hmm. She was afraid the aspect of self. She was afraid to share, share with the world. Um, and that, that was that process, really. So, um, and that was how she embodied who she was really meant to be and fulfilled her purpose. And so shadow is a huge thing for me. And that's something that I work through all the time. I also use um, some meditations and the workshop in a, from a brand called To Be Magnetic, which is by this lady called Lacey Phillips. And um, her meditations are really amazing and her process are really amazing to be able to bring some of these kind of, I guess, um, out there or abstract practices into reality and into real life. So that's definitely been something that I've, that I've used. And um, as I navigate this, it's also the expect- expectations that I have of myself it's the expectations that I think other people have of me. And again, it's a lot of that societal programming. And I think that this is something that collectively we're moving through because we are shifting into a completely new age, a new way of doing things, a new way of being that um, we're having to shed and let go of those things that are so tied to this previous way of being um, that just uh, are not going to serve us moving forward. They haven't really served us for a while, but, you know, we were so used to them then, um, you know, and now, now is the time that we're really shedding that skin and, um, and transforming into that mm-hmm. new space way of being. Going from the caterpillar to the butterfly. 100%. Yeah, yep. it's a little bit of a painful process to shed the, those layers. But on the other side, you have wings. Yeah. Wings. So what recommendations do you have around others on a similar journey as you? Like as you kind of look back, and I know you're still on the journey as we all are. It's it's a constant journey. But if you're like up the trail a little ways and they're down the trail, like what would you might recommend to help them navigate through the trail? Well, that's, that's kind of, that's interesting that you ask that because that's actually always the perspective that I come at when I do the things, when I'm, when I'm moving into things for Hadassah Collective is that I'm not necessarily thinking about serving myself now. I'm always thinking of that girl going through her satin return, sitting on her bathroom floor with the beautiful tiles that she picked out that, you know, in the beautiful house that she chose that are no longer making her happy. So I'm always looking to serve that that girl, you know, that woman that is going through that. So I would really recommend leaning into the things that bring you joy. And um, that, again, sounds really abstract. And for me, it really was abstract because I didn't, I realized that I didn't know what brought me joy. I really honestly didn't know what made me happy. And I I came to a point where I realized, is this making me happy or is this what happiness is? Because it doesn't feel that great. It just feels better than being uncomfortable and being unhappy. So is this, you know, is this actually making me happy or is it something that I think should make me happy? Mm. And is really being able to discern that, you know, and um, so 
something that I really learned along the way that has served me. And I know this is like, you're the queen of this practice actually. And I wish I had met you all those years ago <laughs> because it's really about tuning into yourself and your emotions and embodying your emotions and understanding yourself from that perspective. Um, because what I realized at one point is that I, as I said, I didn't really know what made me happy. And because I had spent so much time and effort and energy not allowing myself to feel any of the uncomfortable emotions. And the thing is that our emotions are, are a spectrum. And we as human beings, having this experience, here to feel and experience all of those emotions on that spectrum. And I truly believe that when you stop yourself or deny yourself or set up blocks within yourself or detours to stop you from feeling sadness or pain or, you know, shame or anger even, any of those emotions that are uncomfortable for us to feel, when we block ourselves from feeling that spectrum, we also limit ourselves on the other end of the spectrum. And we yes. keep this very bland spectrum. And what I realized is that I had narrowed my spectrum so much that I really was not feeling, I was not experiencing this world, you know, what it is to be human, actually. Yeah. And so that's something really important. And... um for me, that is the soul space. That's the exploration of the soul space. I think that it's really also important to, to look at yourself as a whole human being, and that is spirit, soul, and body. So we are so focused often, in, and we've been taught to be focused only on this 3D physical reality, which maybe extends to our own physical body as well but understanding that we are also soul, which is mind, will, and emotion, and we're also spirit, and embodying all of those aspects of self in everything that we do. And um, so I think that there are practices that we need to do to practice getting, uh, and all of those things are to, to hear from and operate from the space of the spirit, because that's our truth, that's our authenticity of who we really are who are created to be and so um yeah so the things that we do in the physical realm the things that we do with our body yoga practices what have you um you know they're there to condition our body and then to condition our mind our soul space to receive from the divine in that space of the spirit so i would recommend to anyone to look at yourself holistically and begin to look at these spaces and develop some practices around um you know creating that atmosphere to be able to receive from the divine that's, mm -hmm. that's my best recommendation beautiful are there certain practices that you partake in to do that i mean there's so many out there so i think it's important for people to you know, get in the sandbox and try things on and find ones that really like, no, oh, that one lights me up and works with me. That one I struggle with. But what ones do you have? Because I think, again, you know, having more in our toolbox is only going to help us. 100%. And I 
totally recommend going out and exploring different things and trying things on, seeing what resonates, seeing what vibes with you, because we are all totally different. We've also had totally different experiences. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a completely different physical makeup. Um, you know, so it, it is really about trying things on and I'm down for that. Like I love playing with different modalities. But some of my core practices um, are really like exploration of one of them is exploration of the of ancient texts and main I mean mainly my main focus is the Bible also extending out to the Gnostic Gospels as well. I love exploring these ancient texts. I do recommend that people read books and things like that, but I personally. I want to read what the original text said. I don't want to read somebody else's opinion on it. I want to get my own revelation mm -hmm. from, um, you know, from the Bible or from whatever ancient text that you want to dig into. But my preference is my alignment is to the Bible for sure. That's where I have found the most revelation, the most insight and the most dramatic change. Um, I also um, love A Course in Again, so the ancient texts, I think, especially the Bible, is really aligning to that truth of the spirit. So that's just spiritual aspect. Um, these are kind of practices that I practice on the daily. And so then in the soul space, um, you know, to condition your mind, I really love A Course in Miracles. Again, it's, it's aligning your mind to that Christ consciousness. And I found a lot of wisdom and a lot of clarity um through that text um i also um as i said i really love um lacy phillips work with to be magnetic i think that her practices are really practical and um grounding and so i explore that definitely again reprogramming some of the experiences the childhood experiences or the shadow aspects um through her meditations i really like those and then on a physical level i'm a long time practitioner of asana yoga so i include that definitely every day um, to create some space and create some movement in my body um, but i also really love um, kundalini yoga and um, i love kundalini yoga because it really works on um, your nervous system and i think um, that at the moment, this age that we have been in, this age of connecting to gadgets and devices and screens and, you know, having all this different external stimuli, I'm predicting, I have in many of my own podcasts predicted that the next system that we are going to focus on, you know, we've had a cardiovascular system, our gut health has had a bit of focus for a long time, but our next is going to be our nervous system and our mental health. Um, so I think that that's really hugely important is doing some practices, maybe even EFT, I've also found really interesting and really useful to really um, sort of work with your nervous system, work on balancing your nervous system, your glandular system as well. Um, I think that that's, that's really freeing. So those are like my main, my main go-tos. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. As we wrap it up, is there one thing you want to share, you know, or is there one practice that you want to share? It's kind of open. If there's something that you feel like I really want to 
speak about this one thing or share this one gift with the audience? Sure. I mean, I think in the age when um, wellness is so prevalent, like there are so many modalities, so many practices out there, which I think is amazing. I think the more the better, more people sharing their gifts, you know, it's going to resonate with somebody. And that's where I think our power is really. But I think that sometimes we get it backwards. And even I've got it backwards in the past. It's like, there's something going on in my physical reality and I want to fix that. And so that's where the attention goes. Like maybe even speaking about like manifestation, it's the focus on what we want the physical manifestation to be. Whereas I think that we have really got that backwards. We've got that the wrong way around. And um, I think that what we should, what has helped me anyway is the, is the desire to seek out my authenticity, to be who, to really be who I am and what my purpose is on this earth. And for every human being, every human being was created in the image and likeness and perfection of God. And we were designed to reflect that image, that glory, that greatness, and that radiance of God. And um, when we come from that perspective, of removing the things that don't align with that, those fear-based illusions, those things that don't align with with that expression, that extension of light, that extension of the divine from within us, um, then when we remove those things, then that aligns us. And that then the world comes and meets us in a different way. The world responds to us in a different way and our physical reality changes. So I think it's coming from that internal perspective of shifting into your authenticity and your alignment and your truth, um, rather than the focus being the the 3D physical reality. So that's my greatest gift that I would I would give anybody in this moment. I I concur with that for sure. It's something that I constantly talk about is finding your authentic self, you know, your divine worthy self, and then everything will unfold. And, but a part of that process is, is un- reprogramming all that because we've been programmed that the outside world is what yeah. is what we're seeing. And that's where we should focus and not the inside world. And so it's a really sh- huge shift um, that we're all stepping into and the journey that we're on. So it's a beautiful gift, beautiful gift. And how can people connect with you if they want to connect with you? And of course, I'll link everything up in the show notes, but what's the best way to connect with you? Absolutely. So, I mean, Instagram at Hadassah Collective is a really good way to connect with me and to find out what's going on, everything to do with Hadassah Collective. I share different meditations on there that I'm doing. I share podcast episodes. I share different insights and journal prompts and things like that. So that's a really great space to connect. Um, also, www.hubhopper.hadassacollective.com is also um, a great space to find the Hadassah Collective podcast. And you can also listen to it, all of the episodes of the podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So you can find us there and um, you can share your feedback and your insights there as well. And I will just say from my own personal experience, um, because I, of course, follow you on Instagram, I've listened to several podcast episodes. There's always, it's inspirational. And as you said, what's nice too is 
you don't have necessarily all the mainstream voices. You have others, which for me is super expansive to see more and more people doing this work, to see more and more people sharing this work with others. That shows me that we're like a shift is going to happen. We're going to hit that tipping point and that shift in the collective is, is going to happen. So I appreciate you giving space for more people to share their story and journey. Just like the work that I do is that the more of us that do this, and there's almost eight, almost eight billion people on this planet. And not only do we affect us as humans, but we affect the planet and the universe at large. So it's beautiful work. So thank you so much, Claire, for this like amazing, enlightening conversation today and just sharing your beautiful work with us. So much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Claire. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Claire. If you want to connect with Claire, I will leave the links in the show notes for you to connect with her and also to check out her podcast, the Hadash Collective podcast, which is amazing. It's amazing. The people she's interviewing on there. Um, it's very similar to the conversations that we have on here. And it would just expand your wisdom and expand your knowledge. So I definitely recommend checking it, out, checking it out. Before we wrap up, I want to leave you with a reflective question for you to connect with yourself on a deeper level. And that question is, what is shifting in your life right now? What is shifting in your life right now? Take some time to reflect and maybe even journal about it. You don't need to do anything with this information. Just build awareness. It's a great opportunity to learn more about yourself and to recognize what is going on within you. This Raw Conversations podcast is a gift. And if you are interested in supporting this work, please use the link in the show notes to make a contribution. I would appreciate any financial support, any donations or contributions that you want to make to helping me sustain this podcast, to helping me grow it, and to help me reach more and more people around this work. Please also rate and review this podcast. Forward it to someone who might benefit from hearing it. And lastly, if you are not a member of the new Up Level Your Life community, then here's my invitation for you to come and join us. We have more conversations like these. You can connect with me in person. You can connect with other like-minded people. Again, just use the link in the show notes. That is all for this episode. Remember the African word Ubuntu. I am because we are Ubuntu. I am because we are. Oh.